Welcome. My name is Amanda, and this is True Crime Psycho Soup. This is episode one of Psycho Soup. I decided to start off the pod with one of my own personal true crime experiences. I live in a small, quaint neighborhood in Ontario, Canada, about an hour north of Toronto, where everyone has their own half acre of land and a gorgeous river that runs right through. It is quite literally the best kept secret in the world. My husband, our children, and I have lived here for just over seven years, and if it were up to me, I would never leave. I began a residential cleaning company about 10 years ago, so when we relocated, I instantly aimed to find clients closer to our new home. The summer before COVID hit, my husband and I were enjoying a backyard bonfire at our friend and neighbor's house. We'll call this neighbor friend Stephanie. Stephanie's friend, who's a real estate agent, was over for said bonfire. Of course, at some point during the evening, I casually mentioned that I own a cleaning company. If she ever needs a hand, she can give me a call. We exchanged phone numbers, continued the party, and we had a blast for the rest of the evening. This realtor, we can call her Helga, sends me a text message approximately two weeks after the bonfire. Hey, I have a full deep moving clean if you're interested. It's not far from our place, just a town over, 3,000 square feet plus basement. For those of you who may not know, a move-in clean is an empty home about to be possessed by the new owner, and a full deep clean is every surface washed from top to bottom. Of course I oblige, this is a great opportunity. Because the job was so large and close to home, I call one of my trusty cleaners and we head over there together. We arrive at the home and holy shit, it's huge. A big, white, three-car garage, 20-acre mansion. As we pull up the driveway, I receive a text from Helga. Please enter through middle garage bay. It will be unlocked. Let me know when you're finished. We proceed to lift the middle garage door and we're in. I take a quick peek at the bathrooms and the kitchens, which are normally the biggest jobs and they don't look too terrible, but there are many of them, so we get to work. Now, the way that I train my employees is to work from the top of the house to the bottom, ensuring that our time is used most wisely and effectively. We arrive on the upper floor and we start working our magic. We spend maybe an hour and a half on the upper level, and as my partner's finishing up washing the upper level floors, I continue my way down the semi-spiral staircase, washing the walls as I make my way down to the main level. I move past the dining room doors and find myself at the main entryway to the home. Big, beautiful French doors. It was then that I noticed something very out of the ordinary. I call out to my partner. Uh, you might want to come down here. What do you make of this? There, sealing the French door seam shut, was yellow police caution tape, along with a letterhead from the Ontario Provincial Police that reads, Crime Scene. No Trespassing. We calm ourselves down and come to the conclusion that there had likely been a break-in, the latch was probably broken, and that's why we were asked to use the garage for entry, right? As you can tell, I was not a true crime podcast listener at this time, or else my brain would have been screaming, get the fuck out of there, you idiot. But I digress. My partner and I continue the clean throughout the main level. We must have spent at least two hours on that floor. Finally, we make it down to the basement. This basement is massive and fully finished. The ceilings had to be at least eight feet high. In Canada, basements are not counted in the square footage. This particular basement's approximately 1,500 square feet, in addition to the 3,000 square feet that we had already completed cleaning. This basement is split into two halves. On one side of the staircase, we have an in-law suite, equipped with a kitchenette, a bathroom, a bedroom, and a bit of living space. And the other half is more of a recreational room, suited for a pool table or maybe some exercise equipment. 
Once again, as we're completing the in-law suite half of the basement, my partner's washing the floors, and I head on over to the recreational area, and I begin washing all walls from left to right, top to bottom. Suddenly, as I'm redundantly washing the walls and conversing with my partner, I notice my washing rag flicks something small off the wall and onto the floor. I bend over to pick it up and have a look. My eyes widened, and my jaw completely dropped. I knew exactly what I was holding in my hand. I've watched enough TV to know exactly what this was. Surely this can't be real. I slowly turned my head around to face the wall I had been washing. There are more. More stickers. Little white square stickers with millimeter measurements, numbered to mark and document the blood splatter that was displayed right there on the wall in front of me. What in the actual fuck is happening? How did I miss all of this during the initial walkthrough? I quickly let my partner know we are done here. We immediately pack all of our equipment and get the hell out of that house. Now first things first. As soon as we get in my car, I make a call to the non-urgent police line. My first instincts are, I just cleaned up an entire murder scene that's possibly under investigation. Oh, and my fingerprints are all over said crime scene. So that's quite literally what I said to the lovely lady on the other end of the phone call. Uh, hi. I was hired to do a job. I wasn't informed about what I was getting myself into, and now I'm worried that I may have tainted any possible pending evidence in this investigation. I've cleaned an unknown person's blood, and oh yeah, my fingerprints are surely everywhere. She replies, hmm, let me call you back. A few hours pass and I receive a call from the police. They inform me the investigation has been closed, not to worry, but that's all the information she can give me. Relieved, but still concerned and confused, I fill my husband in on the situation. <clears throat> he is so fuming that he's ready to drive down to Helga's house and give her a piece of his mind. Not actually, but he was pretty ticked. I send Helga a text message that reads, Helga. I'm extremely disappointed that the outline of the job was not transparent. As a realtor, you should be aware that there are crime scene cleaning companies that you must hire in these situations. At the very least, a warning should be given to offer the right of opportunity of refusal. My partner and I were not wearing the proper PPE for a job such as this, and I will also be sending a bill for professional sanitization of my equipment. Of course, it takes Helga days to respond to me. And when she does, she finally apologizes and explains that the situation was new to her, that her client requested she not share what happened in the home, and proceeds to ask me why I need to have my equipment sanitized. You've got to be kidding. I'm beyond frustrated at this point. I have no idea what I've cleaned, and I'm getting nowhere on my own. I've tried googling the area, doing absolutely everything I can to find more information about this crime to no avail. Fast forward a few days, we're cleaning one of our regular clients' homes. We can call him Bob. Bob is a 68-year-old farmer who is one of my absolute favorite clients. He is very social, chatty, and loves to catch up on all the gossip each visit. He also tips two cartons of eggs each clean, which is amazing. I haven't had to buy eggs in years, but anyways. As we're cleaning Bob's house, he asks what's new, and we respond, boy, do we have a story for you. We explain to Bob what happened in the neighboring town, and he's intrigued as always. Assuming Bob is just being polite as he sits in his favorite blue chair, he asks more questions about the incident, like the date, town name, closest intersection, etc. My partner and I continue to clean and chat, and I hear Bob say from behind his iPad, cozy in his chair, Aha! I think I found it. I was floored. I'm no stranger to the internet, and I haven't been able to find anything about this story. Lo and behold, the 68-year-old web sleuth that is Bob. Bob finds an article depicting that there was a murder in the Mono Mansion two weeks to the day that we were there cleaning. There was a publication ban in place in 2019, so I was unable to find any details regarding the case. However, in January of 2023, curiosity got the better of me, and I re-googled the incident. As of November 22, 2022, 
there was additional information that had been released. At the time, 27-year-old Anmol Sagu from Brampton, Ontario, who was already on probation at the time, faced charges for manslaughter, assault, and failure to comply with probation for the death of his 50-year-old uncle, Taranjeet Singh. Officers were called to the Mono property on November 1, 2019, at approximately 4 o'clock in the morning, after a drunken disagreement regarding the rules of a ping-pong ball game with his younger cousin that turned deadly. He testified in court that during the argument, things turned violent, saying that his uncle Taranjeet got in his face after Sagu and his cousin were fighting, before Sagu laid hands on his uncle to push him back. Sagu told the court that his cousin punched him in the eye and both his cousin and uncle pulled his hair. He explains that he called 911 to report the fight and that's when he heard the screams from the basement. He testified that when he went back down into the basement to find his uncle unresponsive on the floor. The Crown accused Sagu of getting angry with his cousin for disrespecting him, and I quote, He disrespected you and you were going to be the one to show him who was boss, end quote. Suggesting that the defendant had started the fight to which Sagu denied. The following week, a forensic expert took the witness stand to testify that the victim's autopsy revealed that Taranjeet had a severe long-standing coronary artery disease that left the man at risk of sudden death at any time, even in his sleep. Sagu was initially charged with second-degree murder, which had since been downgraded to manslaughter, as well as assault and failure to comply with probation. It is believed that he pushed his uncle, who then collapsed, and never regained consciousness. Sagu was out on bail for the two years leading up to his trial. A jury of seven women and five men found Anmol Sagu, now 30 years old, not guilty on all charges on November 24, 2022. And after the verdict was delivered, Sagu walked out of the courthouse stating, quote, I am just feeling thankful to the jury, still feeling sad for my uncle that he is not here with us right now. I am glad everything is over, end quote. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm floored. It's upsetting that such a small thing, like the rules of a ping-pong game, can change so many lives. But I must admit, this situation confuses me. I have so many unanswered questions. Why the blood splatter all over the basement wall? Why was the front door broken if residents themselves had called the police for help? I'd love to hear your input on this scenario, so please email me if you have any theories of your own. I'd also love to hear if you have any true crime experience of your own that you'd like me to read on the pod. You can email your story to contactpsychosoup at gmail.com. If you're looking for our socials, you can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash psychosoup or on Instagram at podcastpsychosoup. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Psycho Soup. And remember, it's always a good time to listen to some true crime.